finally, I think we should have a few honorable mentions now. There's a lot more peripherals out there that I know I could go into, but I would just be making the podcast so much longer than I feel this episode needs to be and probably longer than what uh, I'd be allowed to upload, to be honest. Um, but the honourable mentions I really want to note here is, first of all, the Guitar Hero controllers for the Guitar Hero games. They were very innovative for the time, really good fun, and it was fun to just play Guitar Hero and have the guitar controller in your hands, actually feeling like it was it was a proper guitar almost. Um, not quite a proper guitar. I've got a guitar. I am playing it a bit, so you know it's not like that. But you know what I mean. You did have that feel. It's like I've got a guitar. I'm on stage. I'm rocking out to everything. You know all that. Uh, unfortunately, Guitar Hero did go for one last swan song, but that failed quite miserably. I have to admit, which I was hoping it would pick itself back up. But they did change that around a few times. They started off with the normal one. And then they added in the fretboard um, to the solos and then in the latest car- incarnation of it, the final one, um, you had six buttons on the guitar neck trying to make your fingers move a bit more and be able to like press two buttons at a time. Uh, the other one I do feel should have an honourable mention is the PlayStation Move. Again, this is PlayStation's move... <laughs> all right. This is PlayStation's attempt to go into motion controls to sort of combat with the Wii. Uh, Now, the PlayStation Move, I don't think it had as much of a uh, following as they would have liked, but it was innovative. But I think the problem with that is they were going up against the Wii. The Wii was out before this time. They had already got the nunchucks, the Wii remote. They'd got all their motion controls down. They were holding the market at that point with regards to motion controls. But PlayStation did give it a good attempt, and they did give it a good try. Uh, And again, I'm giving it an honourable mention, because it is part of the steps on to us having virtual reality and everything. You know, they've they've taken what they've had in the past, they've learned from mistakes, and they've gone to use that to help them make uh, their virtual reality games as well, with the virtual reality headsets like Oculus and everything like that. The other thing I do think deserves a quick shout out would be the controllers for quiz games now these aren't probably as well known there were some quiz games that had specific controllers designed for them uh, one of them was the buzz quiz game on playstation and the other one that i more grew up with was seen it on the xbox again not so technically impressive uh, as compared to like the guitar hero controller but it's just, I feel they should have a mention because they were peripherals and they were different controllers to use. I mean, the Scenic ones just had a big button depending on what the colour was and then A, B, X and Y. So, you know, it's not much to look at, but I feel we should still mention it. The other thing I feel we should mention, again, this goes back a little bit to arcades as well, but uh, steering wheel controllers. I think they do deserve a mention because they have improved over the years. Uh, especially if you get ones for your F1 games, Gran Turismo, um, you know, all those sort of proper racing games or realistic racing games, I should say, not proper racing games. Um, You know, they have changed around a bit. And again, going back to Nintendo Wii, they've also developed the wheel, what is the casing, I should say, more than anything else than an actual wheel controller for Mario Kart and other racing games on there. So, 
you know there are a lot of peripherals out there and again these peripherals although you don't think much about them go back and think about it because they are part of the stepping stones to where we've got to now like i said you know take the playstation move take the nintendo wii uh, it's all come together and it's all helped us progress in the gaming industry uh, like i said you know playstation move it's helped them to use that information to then develop uh, their virtual reality stuff and everything like that you got facebook or meta as they're now called i should say um you know they're doing virtual reality and everything like that so there's a lot of things that have been really useful to the industry uh, we may look back at them thinking oh ah, that was really really bad i mean connect for example it didn't do very well i think everybody can admit that um but again it was there to help people improve on what they already had and hopefully it will give them ideas for the future uh, so that is the end of today's episode so thank you for everyone who has listened i do hope you enjoyed it as normal i'm always on twitch uh streaming mondays wednesdays and saturdays so if you do want to drop by and say hello you're more than welcome to we're happy to have anyone jump into the chat if you found me through the podcast podcast let me know i'm happy to chat about that if you have any ideas for the podcast for any episodes do let me know as well because i'll be happy to discuss that or if there's any questions that you might want to ask me about the podcast or anything like that or streaming in general then please just jump in say hello and just ask your questions i'll be more than happy to answer them uh so thank you everyone i will look to get some new episodes up as soon as i can I just need to figure out what I'm going to do as the next episode. That's the problem at the moment, trying to figure out what the next episode will be. Until then, guys, stay safe, look after yourselves. I'll see you around. I also wanted to talk about the dance mats or dance pads. Uh, if you were around in the 90s, then you'll probably remember this craze with the DDR and all the other dancing games and the dance mats. Now, there's actually three different versions of dance mats, which I didn't quite realise. I didn't realise they were specifically different. Although you probably have seen them walking around. Now, the first one we're talking about is the soft dance pads. Those are ones you would have likely seen in households, which connected up to your console at that point in time. And you pressed your foot down on the corresponding symbol at the right time, sent signal into the con into the console uh, to say, yep, they pressed that, and it gives you your good, bad, great, excellent, whatever whatever they did there uh, now the next version of this is what they refer to as the hard dance pad now it's not actually <laughs> meaning it's difficult to use uh, it's just basically done that uh, because it's normally constructed with metal sometimes with wood with wood and does have a raised bar behind where the player st stands now this is what you would normally see in most modern arcades so uh, this just helps it be a bit more durable especially in arcades where you've probably got people sort of if they're having a good time you know it might be a bit more rougher stamping i don't know you know just to make sure it's a bit bit sturdier a bit beefier really now uh, when i did a bit more digging i did actually find that you could purchase versions of these for the for your home apparently um these would cost you around 100 to 30 100 to 350 dollars sorry and pound wise that'd be about 84 to 295 pounds per mat so as to why anybody would want to do that i don't know I did see a picture online where I was looking at someone doing a homebrew DDR hard mat version for their console. So, you know, people can make their own ones if they know what to do. Uh, the other version of the dance mats is the solid state version. Now, from what I can tell, I did have a quick look at this. It looks just like a hard 
uh, hard dance mats. However, instead of using a mechanical switch uh, and contacts, uh, it uses a proximity sensor. So the proximity sensor would then detect the player's foot as they stepped on the pad. So again, dance mats, again, it's something that has upgraded through th throughout the years, uh, has changed a bit as well, and has also, uh, so I think it's still around in arcades, but probably not as much as it used to be. It was mainly a craze of the 90s, early 2000s, I'd probably say with DDR, because uh, a lot of the dance games now, they have moved on to be in motion capture, or with controllers like the Switch, you know, you have that in your hand and it makes you move with those in your hands to, ge to generate the movements and determine if you've moved correctly. Now, the other thing we're going to talk about is also uh, the iToy and the Connect. Now, the iToy was actually out first before the Connect came out. Uh, looking back at the iToy, it was basically a webcam. Uh, it got plugged into the PlayStation 2. Now, looking back at it, and you look at what we've done today and how we've progressed through the gaming industry, it really doesn't look like it was much. It's like, oh, it's a webcam, plug it in. But the thing you've got to go back and say to yourself is think of how innovative that was at that point in time. Uh, this was the first sort of fray into, uh, into motion controls for a lot of consoles and a lot of companies. Uh, so you had a lot of different games with the iToy. Uh, you had like the window washing game, uh, the game you had to block the monkey ninja things with your arms, you know, stop them from attacking you. Uh, so it was really good fun. It did get people moving. Now, the other thing I did find out with the iToy is actually there were loads of games that the iToy could have been used with to enhance the experience. One of the ones I did see on the list uh, was Tony Hawk's game. You could use it to take a picture of your face and put that onto your custom-made skater. Uh, there is a lot more in that list i'm not going to go through everything because that list will just take forever uh some of them gave like mini games and things like that uh one of them actually was one of the ddr games it would let you watch yourself while you were dancing so the eye toy would show the camera uh show you on the camera in that situation uh now we've also got the connect now probably most of you know the connect was not as successful as microsoft had intended it to be um, it was a very good idea at the time. It did seem like it would work well. Uh, the Initially, the majority of the Kinect games were designed to be family-orientated, so they could try and bring in more sort of family-based players. Uh, and I have to admit, although, yes, they did fall down quite a bit with it, it didn't go so well, it was a good effort with the Kinect. They had a lot of good casual games, uh, like because I had the first Connect and one of the games I remember having there, which I probably thought was probably the best, was Connectimals. In my way of saying it, to give you a quick summary of what Connectimals is, take Tamagotchi, upgrade it to pretty much today's graphics, uh, and you can interact with it more than Tamagotchi was, and you don't have to worry about them dying. Literally, the, these animals, like these tigers, cubs, bears, whatever you've got there, I can't remember the exact thing off the top of my head. They wouldn't die. So it's just like, oh good, I can go back to it whenever I want and it's still there, happy to see me. It doesn't care that I've left it for ages or anything like that. Which is probably good for a lot of people, to be honest. Um, they did try and do a bit more movement games and things like that. Uh, but it was limited with what it could do, unfortunately, with the original Kinect. I do remember playing the Sonic Riders game for the Kinect. Again, it was a good idea, a good premise. It really did seem quite interesting. However, 
when you were trying to do certain actions, one of the ones I remember, it was always tricky, uh, was trying to sort of turn, boost, uh, and also when you were firing items backwards, because you had to move your arms kind of basically behind your body, but the connect didn't always pick that up, so it was always a bit like sort of, you're flaying your arms around a bit going, uh, work, 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 work. So, you know, Connect didn't have the best the best chance in its first generation. However, though, Microsoft were not deterred by this. Microsoft eventually decided, you know what, the Xbox One, we're going to make Connect 2.0, which I do have one actually sitting in my flat, because um, I used it for when I started streaming, uh, I was streaming from the Xbox because I wanted to get a camera. So, yeah, early days of streaming, it's still there. Now, Connect 2.0 was a bit of an upgrade. Uh, they did do it to try and improve with the sort of following where the player is and things like that. Again, the games on the for the Connect 2.0 they were mainly focused on family-friendly games, um, so there wasn't any real sort of change. Now, one thing I did always find quite interesting with the Connect. Uh, now, this was in the first generation Connect. This was to do with Mass Effect 3. This point, Mass Effect 3. Uh, you had a squad, and normally you'd press a button on your controller, and you'd issue commands to your squad mates to say, use this ability, go to cover, etc, etc. However, the Connect would actually allow you to say the commands out loud, instead of having to constantly press the button all the time. Which, in theory, is good. It's something I never tried. Uh, I didn't hear much about it, but again, at that point, that's when a lot of people were losing a bit of interest in the Connect. but it is, it was a good idea. Uh, and the other thing I do have to speak about is obviously Connect 2.0 was made to b allow you to control your Xbox with your voice, such as turn the Xbox on, turn the Xbox off, doing all that. Now, uh, probably few people know of this. If not, there is a bit of a notorious clip online of someone managing to turn their Xbox off purely not by themselves, but uh, by someone else. I think they're playing one of the COD games, I think the top of my head it is. Uh, and someone has set up their gamer tag to be Xbox off. Now this person looks at it and thinks, it's like, oh, that's a strange, strange gamer tag. Uh, so they say it out loud. They say Xbox off. Now Connect is able to turn your Xbox off from that command. They didn't realise until it was too late, and the Connect just went and turned the Xbox off. So a lot of people were doing that for a laugh. Um, again, the Connect has kind of fizzled out a bit really especially with the xbox there's not really much to do with the connect anymore uh, they fizzled out they discontinued them i don't think xbox are likely at any time to bring the connect back to life and i don't think it'd be worth it they would have to do a really big improvement on it and how you could use it and different things like that if they were to bring that back so next up we're talking about rob the robotic operating buddy now, most people might think this as I'm referring to Rob from Smash Bros, which I am. Uh, but Rob was around way before Smash Bros actually came out. Uh, Rob was originally a peripheral for the NES, and he had two licensed games that came with him, Gyromite and Stack Up. So if you're interested in seeing what they're about, do have a Google of that. I did have a quick Google myself, but otherwise I'd be here speaking forever if I did tell you what those games are about. Uh, now, Rob unfortunately didn't do so well in his initial release, so he didn't really get much more of the limelight after those two games. However, Nintendo decided to keep him around for a little bit in the background, and he did have some cameos in other games. So, one of the first cameos he had was in a game called Star Tropics, 
He's also cameoed in F-Zero GX, where you can see him uh, on the back, uh, on the back screen on one of the tracks. He's in the WarioWare series, and he's also in the Star Fox series. Now, you might not realize this, but in the Star Fox series, or Lilac Wars, whichever one you want to call it, Rob is actually the one who pilots Great Fox, the big ship that everyone else comes out of. So it is actually quite interesting. I never realized this until I actually did some research about it after seeing Rob in the first time, after the first time he was in Smash Bros on the on the Wii in that situation. So Rob has been around. Uh, he's now, I don't know if I'll ever get another game to be honest. He's still in Smash. He's still played as a character as far as I can tell. You can still unlock him. I'm pretty sure I've unlocked him now on the current version of Smash as well. So yeah, Rob is still around. Still sort of just keep an eye on everything, basically, is what I'd like to say. Okay, so first of all, we're going to talk about light guns. Now, these are something that is quite close to my heart, which I will get on to in a little bit as to why that is. If you listen to previous episodes, then you'll probably know what I'm speaking to, uh, speaking about in that situation. Now, light guns actually first appeared in the 1930s, and this was after the development of a light-sensing vacuum tubes. Now, there were some very early attempts at light guns. Uh, these would have been the Ness Zapper and Duck Hunt. So they were very early versions of light guns, and you had a few on home consoles as well. Again, mainly the older home console ones. These were pretty much before you had uh, your Ness and everything else after that. So, you know, after the Ness, they did sort of go away a little bit but they came into arcades uh, so you know we had a lot of guns on the arcades uh, the light guns there were very different uh, the main ones I recall were Time Crisis and House of the Dead House of the Dead being one of my favourite games of all time just because of how fun it was and I have some good memories of that being the first time I went to the arcade with my dad and playing House of the Dead for the first time with him and there's just something fun about having the light guns there and being able to pick it out, uh, pick it up out of the holster and then fire it at the screen and it would work like that. Now you don't really see many old style light guns around anymore. Now this is mainly because technology has moved on. When light guns were mainly came into popularity uh, a lot of them were done on screens that were known as CRT monitors. Uh, whereas now we've moved on to like LEDs and things like that. So the old light guns don't work on your new monitors. However, though, you may have noticed that in some arcades, you can still see the equivalent of light guns around. Now, these are essentially light guns, but they're actually referred to as being positional guns. Now, they work a bit differently. So whereas the light guns you'd point on the screen, light is picked up by the screen, and then it basically says, yeah, that's what you've shot. Uh, positional guns, they almost work like they're an analog stick. Now, the analog stick that they're on will basically record the position of the gun to determine where the player has shot in that situation. Uh, so it is a bit different how they used to work. Uh, now, the gun, when it comes to a positional gun, does need to be calibrated, and this is normally what is done uh, when it, the game starts up in this situation. Now, again, light guns, have kind of moved on a little bit again because like i said obviously you've got your positional guns now uh, and there's been a bit of an update with them through consoles like the wii so the wii they brought back house and the dead two and three uh they updated that and you use the wii remote as your gun you get the wii zapper uh, like little holster things so there still was there thanks to the wii um but 
light guns i always like them and it's always just something that is part in part of my heart uh just because of it is so much fun uh and obviously like i said playing the first house of the dead game with my dad hello everyone welcome back to bold badger 42's insert digs disc podcast uh we have been away for a while so I do apologize about that uh today we're going to be looking at peripherals so this is a little bit of a follow-on from one of our previous episodes where we did talk about controller evolution now in this i'm more going to look at the more what you'd say peripherals or obscure controllers so when i'm referring to this i'm going to be talking about things like light guns the connect guitar hero controllers eye toys things like that they're not sort of standard controllers that are connected to uh your consoles as normal but i think it's quite interesting to see uh what they were like and how they've evolved as well as they were part of the stepping stones to where we've come to today with our controllers and everything so let's get on with it then mm-hmm. 